0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in your podcast app. I'm very excited to share some of our work today uh, as we try to understand how communication systems influence social dynamics. Um, And in particular, what we're interested in is understanding how vocal communication can be used to organize social groups and drive behaviors such as cooperation. And so when we think about the intersection between social and vocal behaviors, um, it's important to remember that both of these exist on the spectrum. So when we think about uh, sampling the animal kingdom, Social behaviors can range from solitary on the one hand to use social on the other, and similarly vocal behaviors can range from reflexive vocalizations, such as laughing or crying, to more complex communication systems, such as language. And so I don't need to convince anyone here today that humans occupy a unique position at the intersection of both social and vocal behavior, and that we have a singular use of language, which is used to structure our very complex and elaborate social groups. However, there's many other species within the animal kingdom, some of which are shown here, and some of which you'll hear about today, which also have very complex social and vocal repertoires, and I would like to tell you about a very special animal, uh, which also meets some of these criteria, which is a rodent called the naked mole rat. And so just as a way of a short introduction of the naked mole rat, um, you can see what a naked mole rat looks like here in the upper right-hand corner. So these are uh, small rodents, which are endemic to the Eastern part of Africa, where they live um, underground in these elaborate tunnel systems, which you can see schematized here. And in these environments, the naked mole rats face a series of challenges. Um, There's very limited food and the environment is very arid. So to survive and in fact to even thrive in these conditions, naked mole rats have developed a very elaborate colony organization in which they can have more than 300 individual members existing in these large groups which spend more than one kilometer underground. And in addition to that, naked mole rats are incredibly long-lived so they can they have reported lifespans up to 30 or 40 years. And So this type of social organization Actually, is um, one of only two instances of this occurring in mammals, and it meets the criteria for eusociality. And so, I want to just define briefly what that, what I mean by eusociality, or what is what is how it's defined. Um, and so, this is a, a type of extremely cooperative living, which was first identified. Um, in the social insects, uh, two examples of which are shown here, and the criteria for eusociality was formalized uh, by Wilson in 1971, where it's defined by a reproductive division of labor, normally with a single breeding female or queen, with an overlap of two or more generations living together, and a cooperative care of the young, which may or may not be related to the individual caretaker. And so uh, while this was traditionally thought to only be involved in invertebrates, it was found in the 19, late 1970s to also exist in, in a mammalian species, the naked mole rat. And so uh, the woman that you see here in the center of the panel, Jenny Jarvis, was a graduate student in Kenya when she first stumbled across the naked mole rats. And she reported in 1981 that they also meet the criteria for eusociality. And this is just a screenshot of her paper, which was published nearly 40 years ago in Science. And so while eusociality does predominate still in invertebrate Species, um, no matter which configuration it takes, um, there is one feature that is consistent across both invertebrate and vertebrate species, and that's that this type of social structure demands an extraordinary amount of cooperativity. So naked mole rats are eusocial, and what this means for their colony structure is that it's both highly hierarchical and highly cooperative, and so you can see this schematized here, where there's a single breeding female in the colony, the queen. Uh, There's a series of males which are involved in reproduction, a series of defender mole rats which defend the colony against predators, and then a large composition of workers which uh, contribute to acquiring food, shelter, and also taking care of the young. And what I want to point out which is significant about this organization is for this type of social structure to work effectively, each individual has to have an awareness of their own role in the colony and how it relates to others, and this also requires a very uh, detailed communication system. And so today I wanna tell you a bit about how naked mole rats communicate, uh, specifically what their vocal communication system is like. Um, I wanna briefly touch upon some of the machine learning tools that we've used to identify specific sound features that are used by the naked mole rats to communicate social information. And then finally, I wanna take an evolutionary perspective and provide some information about how the social brain network and the communication system of the naked mole rat may have evolved. So I mentioned that naked mole rats are highly vocal and I wanna just provide a brief excerpt of some of their vocal behavior. So what I'm showing here on the right is a spectrogram, which is a representation of how sound, uh, the frequency of the sound transforms over time. And the naked mole rats actually vocalize within our frequency range. So this is uh, low frequencies between two and 16 kilohertz. So the sound that I'm gonna play uh, is not edited and is as you would hear it in the wild. And so here I'm first gonna play a sound of a a male singing to the Queen. And then I'm also going to play here on the bottom a more aggressive vocalization which occurs when two individuals encounter one another and fight for space in the colony. Um, so one uh, aspect of studying naked mole rat vocal communication uh, is made much easier by the fact that we can keep them in the lab and so here I'm just showing you a brief excerpt of some naked mole rats which uh, live in my lab here in Frankfurt um, and you can see that we've recreated these underground tunnels uh, in the laboratory setting and they can happily um, explore their uh, colony in this way. So the naked mole rat sound repertoire um, is actually quite complex and um, myself and others have spent many years trying to identify what we call the naked mole rat dictionary. And so what I mean by that is a set of vocalizations that the naked mole rats use in their daily life. Um, And so we've identified at the moment more than 25 different vocalization types. Um, Here, I'm just showing you about 17. um, And I wanna focus just today on one vocalization type, which is the most commonly used vocalization, the soft chirp. Um, And as I mentioned before, these are all represented as spectrograms, which show how the frequency of the sound wave changes over time. And you can see that the soft chirp here is a fairly symmetrical um, upsweep and downsweep across time. And so the soft chirp is used when two naked mole rats will encounter encounter one another in the tunnel, and it's primarily used as a greeting call, but we wanted to understand if the soft chirps might convey some social information, and if so, what type. So to do that, we developed a series of machine learning tools um, and automated algorithms to extract information about individual soft chirps. And this was work that was done uh, by a very talented student in the lab, uh, Gregory Vivierko. So uh, what we did was we uh, recorded tens of thousands of soft chirps from naked mole rats um, in multiple colonies. Um, and then we used um, a series of automated features um, to um, extract sound features for so we we use the series of automatic Um, automated algorithms rather, to detect sound features um, from the sound wave itself, which you can see here some of these features like pitch or wiener entropy, which is a measure of the noisiness of the sound. Then we also transform the sound wave into a spectrogram and then trace the first harmonic. And then we're able to extract features from the spectrogram, such as the peak frequency of the sound or the asymmetry uh, shown in the upper right-hand corner, which represents the difference between the start and end point of the frequency of the sound. And so uh, we were able to extract, as I said, these eight features. And then what we did is that we fed them into a type of machine learning algorithm called the random forest classifier. Uh, And the way that this works is generally you take a very large data set, you split it into a training and testing set, and then you allow the classifier to develop a set of rules, uh, which it can be used to predict the identity of sounds that it's never heard before. And so in this case, we asked how well the classifier could identify individual naked mole rats, um, based on these eight sound features. And so you can see the results here on the right. Um, so what you see on the y-axis is the true identity of soft chirps from nine different subordinates and the queen. And on the x-axis, we see the prediction from the classifier. And so along the di- diagonal, we see the prediction accuracy. And so I want to emphasize that if the classifier was performing randomly, it would have a 1 in 10 chance of being correct, which would be a prediction value of about 0.1. And as you can see, the classifier performs significantly above chance for all of the individuals, suggesting that information about individual identity can be encoded in these eight sound features. And so then we also wanted to ask if the soft chirps might encode information about other social features. And so we then we asked if, um, for example, colony membership might be encoded in the soft chirp. So we again repeated the same experiment here. We recorded from four different colonies. Um, many thousands of soft chirps, we ran our automated feature extraction, um, and then we trained a new classifier, this time splitting the testing um, and training data sets to make sure that no individual was contained in the same data set, because we had already shown that individual identity could be determined by uh, these sound features. And so again, what you can see here on the right is that we had a quite striking result where um, individual soft chirps um, encoded information about uh, colony uh, identity, which was above chance. So again, here along the diagonal, um, all the values, um, the classifier is performing at uh, a rate which is significantly above chance. And so this suggested to us that this one vocalization type, the soft chirp might encode information about individual and colony identity, but it didn't answer the question whether or not naked mole rats themselves can recognize these vocal signatures. So to test that directly, we did a series of behavioral experiments, um, which I'm gonna highlight briefly here. Um, So what we did is we recorded vocalizations from different colonies and played them back to an individual. So here you can see we're playing back uh, sounds to an animal from colony T. And when we played back um, soft chirps that were recorded from colony B here in the first panel or from colony D in the second panel, uh, we saw no response to the stimuli, which is shown with the black arrow. However, when we um, played back sounds from the animal's own colony, so here uh, sounds from colony D, uh, we saw that the animal reliably and robustly responded with this fixed temporal interval, as you can see here with the red arrow. And so uh, the quantification of many trials is shown on the right here. We tested multiple animals in multiple colonies, and we found that this result was very consistent, that when an animal heard a sound from its own colony, it had a much increased response rate. Now, these experiments didn't actually tell us if the animals could recognize something specific about the colony dialect, rather it just could be that they were also uh, recognizing individuals as we're playing back recordings from individuals that live in the colonies. Um, So we wanted to test this further and see if animals could extrapolate some of the general features of the colony uh, dialect itself. And so to do that, we made a series of artificial stimuli and um, so here you can see i'm just plotting two of these sound features against one another, and we made a series of artificial sounds from colony B, and so here you can see the artificial sound falls within the, the variance of the colony but doesn't overlap with any of the averages of the individual vocalizations um, and similarly on the bottom here we could test these artificial sounds on our previously trained classifiers and confirm that they were indeed classified as belonging to the colony um, that we designed them to be. Um, and so then we could test these behavioral, uh, we could test this behaviorally by playing the artificial stimuli back to the animals. And you can see the key results here is in the middle panel um, where the animals responded to the artificial stimuli uh, with a similar response rate to the Playbacks of actual individuals in the colony, and this was not the case for artificial stimuli from um, other colonies. Um, and then, so we were interested um, in how these uh, vocal dialects might be established in the naked mole rat colonies. And so to investigate this, uh, we did a series of cross-fostering experiments where we moved naked mole rats um, within the first three weeks of life into two different colonies. And so here you can see two pups from colony S were moved into colony T e and colony M respectively. And then after about six months, we could test their dialect. So we could record many soft herbs and ask what uh, colony dialect they were using by running them through classifiers. And so the prediction would be that if the soft-turf dialects were genetically encoded, that regardless of where they were raised, they would still be using the dialect of their birth colony. And what we found was that this was not the case. Um, So I'm showing two examples here, but for all the animals we tested, this was also the case, um, that the animals actually predominantly used the vocal dialect of the adoptive colony. So this suggested that there's some developmental plasticity, and that some elements of this communication are learned. We were also interested in then understanding how these vocal dialects are maintained. And so to do that, um, we uh, performed kind of an unexpected experiment. Uh, during a period of one year, we were recording from uh, various colonies, and in one colony, we had two incidents with. Two cases, rather, where the queen died. Um, and so we had a period of, of stable uh, social dynamics where there was a queen, and this was followed by another period, a period of anarchy. Then we had a subsequent period where a new queen was present, and then she was also uh, lost, and then we had a period of anarchy. So basically, what we could do is the same experiment where we could train our classifiers to distinguish between these dif- different epochs of social stability and ask what happened to the vocal dialect. And so what you can see here, which is quite striking, is that when the queen was present, the ability of the classifier to predict the dialect was very high, but in periods of anarchy, this slipped almost to chance levels. And this suggested that the presence of the queen was important for the cohesiveness of the colony dialect. Um, And if we look at individuals during each of these epochs, we can see, uh, again, just looking at two of the vocal features, so here I'm showing four subordinates um, through each epoch, uh, periods of a stable queen and then subsequent anarchy, and I hope what you can appreciate is that during the periods of anarchy, the individual vocalizations of each of these worker mole rats of the subordinates became much more variable, and we see this in both cases of anarchy. So, I said at the beginning that we're fundamentally interested in how vocal communication organizes social groups. Uh, We're also interested in understanding how neural circuits uh, are specialized to both encode and decode these cues. Um, However, I'm not going to talk about that today, but I want to just finish by mentioning briefly some work that we're doing to understand how these social behaviors and vocal behaviors evolve. Um, and so I want to zoom out for a second and introduce you to the phylogenetic tree of the naked mole rat, which is um, part of the the African mole rat family called Bathyergidae, and you can see the naked mole rat here at the bottom. So. As I mentioned before, the naked mole rats are endemic to the eastern horn of Africa. And you can see how the entire Bathyergidae family has speciated along the eastern coast of Africa. And what is remarkable about this family is that there are two cases, the only two known cases of eusociality in a mammal exist in this family. And so this is the naked mole rat here in the upper right, and then Fucumus domerensis here. Um, which lives in the Kalahari. And also within this family, um, there are many solitary species. Um, and so we have within a single phylogenetic tree examples of uh, highly social and then solitary species. And so uh, with some collaborations, both in South Africa and Tanzania, we had access to several of these species and we could ask how their uh, vocal repertoires are linked to their social behavior. And so um, in some preliminary work, what we've shown is that um, recording from a a matched colony size. So here uh, for the social species, we took very small colony sizes of four individuals. And here on the bottom, uh, we see B. suillus, which is a solitary species. Here we recorded from four individuals. Um, If we just take a snapshot of their overall vocalization rate over this three hour period, you can already see that the naked mole rat is an exceptionally vocal uh, species, especially even compared to the other social species. And so you can see this quantified here, um, where the naked mole rat has a very high vocalization rate per minute. Uh, and we've started to investigate which types of sounds it's using, and it seems in fact that the naked mole rat expanded vocal repertoire uh, comes primarily from the soft chirps. And so I mentioned before that we have a, a mole rat, a naked mole rat dictionary, and now we're beginning to develop tools to compare the vocal repertoire of these related species so we have domarensis the other eusocial species um the high-filled mole rat which is a uh, living in smaller groups between six and 12 individuals and then finally suilis which is our solitary species um and so i just want to conclude with a brief summary so what i've shown you today is that naked mole rats are highly vocal and highly social rodents um, We've shown that one vocalization type, the soft chirp, can encode information about individual identity and colony membership. Um, We've also showed that social context is important. Uh, So, for example, when the queen is lost, the variability of individual vocalizations increases. And then finally, we've also showed that learning is possible in the sense that uh, young animals have vocal plasticity to adopt new dialects. And so in the very last seconds, I'd like to just highlight some future directions and open questions. And one thing that uh, that we think about often is how we might adapt some of these machine learning and computational tools to other data sets, in particular to different uh, vocalization repertoires. Um, we're also very interested in understanding which sound features might be predictive of different types of information transfer and how vocal repertoires change or in the case of the naked mole rat expand throughout evolution. Um, And then finally we're very interested in understanding both on a molecular and neural level how mechanisms might um, converge or uh, diverge um, between developmental and socially induced plasticity. Um, And so with that I'd like to thank the organizers again. I'd also like to thank my postdoc advisor Gary Lewin uh, and members of my lab in Frankfurt. Thank you very much.